And, uh, just to give you kind of a logistics of what we're um, doing, um, I have been going through the book of Ruth, and I'm, I stopped the book of Ruth. Uh, we'll pick it up in a couple weeks. I'm going to talk about the resurrection uh, this morning, and then we'll um, um, talk, do Easter next week, and then the next week we'll finish up the book of Ruth. We've got two more, two more um, 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 lessons on the book of Ruth, and then we'll, we'll go from there. But looking at the resurrection, just to ask the question, what is the resurrection to you? I mean, we're all celebrating Easter. You know, Jesus died, he rose, that one word, rose, resurrection. What is it to you? Salvation. You could also ask a question even to look at it again. What is it to Paul? <laughs> what was the resurrection to Paul? Because if you see what the resurrection was to Paul, it'd be like, this is what it should be to me if that's the way it was for Paul. The resurrection for Paul was, was salvation, but it was also everything. It was everything. I mean, that one word, resurrection, it was absolutely everything. I was once dead, but now I'm alive. Because why? Because, because Christ rose. If he didn't rise, I remained dead. But since he rose, now I'm alive. It was his passion. That's what it was to Paul. He was passionate. How passionate? He'd give it all away. I mean, everything away. He'd give his entire life away to travel as far as he can go in his lifetime to make sure that this one message was passed. What was it? It was this resurrection. The resurrection touched him so deep that he'd tell the world about it because it touched him so deep. Made him fearless. There's a time in the book of Acts that, you know, he was stoned almost to death. His disciples literally pulled him out of town, and after they pulled him out of town, and he came to and everything, and started to heal up, you know, where was Paul going to go? Well, we got to get back to that town. <laughs> the disciples are looking at him and says, Paul, are you crazy? Didn't you see that they almost killed you? If they take go back to that town, they're going to kill you again. He goes, yeah, but they, but they don't know that Jesus is risen. <laughs> we got to tell them that Jesus is risen. We, I mean, it made him completely fearless, made him invincible. Made him strong, made him passionate. Look at living in a world, we live in the world, people come to church for many different reasons. Uh, they come to church to find peace, come to church to find, to find rest, come to church to find principles that will guide us through life, come to church uh, to find uh, strength, come to church to find joy, come to church to find community. We come to church for so many different reasons. And we open up the Bible and, and we start looking at these reasons why we came to church and try to find out solutions for the reasons why we came to church. For instance, I need more joy in my life. We open up the Bible and says, okay, we gotta have more joy in life. What principles do I have to, to find joy? What do, I, what do I need to do to get joy? What's step one, step two, step three? I need strength in my life. What's step one, step two, step three to get strength? I need peace. What is step one, step two, step three to get Peace. This is how Paul was. The resurrection is the source of peace. You just hang on to that resurrection and then stick it inside of you. And what happens is that peace starts to come out. He didn't go look for peace. He found the resurrection and then it produced peace. He didn't go look for strength. He found the resurrection and he found his strength through the resurrection. 
He didn't go look for passion. <laughs> no, he had, he had fuel his mind on the resurrection, and all of a sudden this passion started to just, just fuel him. This resurrection wasn't something that he just believed in. It was something that lived in him. Something that almost made an experience in him. He would look at this resurrection and it moved him, it sent him, it made him, it completed him. I mean, to the point, even in 1 Corinthians 15, because of the grace of God, he did not say, I do what I do. By the grace of God, I will go where I go. He did not say those words. By the grace of God, I have what I have. He didn't say those words. He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I mean, that resurrection is everything. <laughs> the resurrection is everything. And if the resurrection didn't take place, then I'm nothing. But since it did take place, then it is absolutely everything for me. So we come to church with these different reasons. I want to be strong. I want to have peace. I want to have rest. I mean, we live in a world of turmoil. We live in a world that is, is difficult. We live in the world where there's sickness, there's disease. We live in the world where you look at the news and there's, there's war, there's death, there's instability. I mean, we've come through a lot through the pandemic. All these things, what's going to be next would be the question. I need peace. I need strength. I need joy. I need to be invincible. I need to be fearless. The topic of the sermon is how do we become fearless? How do we have courage in this world? How do we have peace in this world? Just give me three principles in our notes of what Paul used to make that resurrection come alive in his life. To make the resurrection come alive. If you want it, number one, base your life on truth, not feelings. What's important about religion? That's the question the world's asking. You know, what is important about religion? One thing that's important about religion is, this is how the world speaks, is does it meet your needs? If it meets your needs, then religion is important. If it doesn't meet your needs, then religion is not important. If this religion meets your needs, then that religion's okay. And if this religion meets my needs, then this religion's all right for me. This is how the, this is how the world speaks. This is the world that we live in. Does religion help me? The religion that helps me might not help you, so if you find a religion that helps you, then that's okay. And if I find a religion that helps me, that's, that's okay too. This is how the world speaks. Why? Because we want strength, we want to be passionate, we want to have peace, we want to have rest, and the religion's this source, but this is the way that we look at religions. Does religion guide me through my problems? If religion guides me through my problems, I'll keep it. But if religion doesn't guide me through my problems, then I'm gonna throw it away. This is how the world is speaking, and often even how churches are speaking. Does religion work for me? The religion that works for me might not work for you, but the religion that works for me works for me, therefore you just, it's all right, it works for you. What's the base of religion? Because what we've done in our world, we've taken religion and we've made feelings the base. What is the base of religion? The base of religion is, is it true? That's it. Is it true? Did it happen? Did it happen? This is what the resurrection did for Paul. Paul <laughs> knew 
that Christ had risen from the dead. And as a result of knowing that truth, he held on to that truth to produce something in him, to produce the life in him, to produce the peace in him, to produce the strength in him. It's true, and as a result of being it true, that it's everything. But if we look at religions in regards to experience, are we gonna have a good experience, are we gonna have a bad experience, do you know what? We've never landed on solid ground. We never landed on solid ground. We walk into church, and often even when we walk into church, we do an evaluation. Is this gonna be all right for me? Is this gonna be okay for me? Is this gonna help me have a better family, a better husband, a better wife? But we rarely ask the question, is it true? That was a statement that Paul took deep inside of his mind. When he wrote his letters, when he wrote his letters to the churches, the letters in the New Testament that we are reading today, what is these letters about? <laughs> it's about what happened. It's about what happened. Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus rose. Believe that. Do you know what the greatest argument all the way through scripture was that Paul was fighting? Is that Jesus was God. Jesus is God, Jesus is God, Jesus is God. He was saying do what? Believe that. Believe that Jesus is God. Why was he giving them a belief? I mean, isn't he supposed to give them principles on how to live? Isn't he supposed to give them rules and guidance of how to function in society? Isn't he supposed to give you an understanding of how you're supposed to have relationships? No, he was anchoring in solid beliefs. And the greatest argument, Jesus is God. What does that mean? It means that God died. It means that God went to the grave. It means that God rose. That's truth. And Paul took that truth and it stuck him so deep. It stuck him so deep that it just came out of his life. It's the power of the way it is. Not does it meet my needs, but this is the way it is. 1 Corinthians 15, 12. If you have your Bibles, please turn there. It says this. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised from the dead. And if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We're even found to be misrepresenting God because he testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is not true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ is raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is completely futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are all people most to be pitied. But if in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep is now started in you. What is the first fruits? The first fruits is mentioned in the Old Testament that give the first fruits. And if you get the first fruits, what happens? You get everything else that comes behind it. He is saying the resurrection, and if you believe it, it is the first 
fruits. And if you get the first fruits, guess what's going to take place? You're going to get everything behind it. If the resurrection is the first fruits, you're going to get everything that is behind it. What does that mean in context? This is what it means. It means the life of the future world has been brought into your present. The life of the future world, the life of heaven has all of a sudden been, been brought to your present. That's what set Paul on fire. This resurrection is the, is, is, is the first fruits of what is to come. And I see the resurrection, therefore I know what is going to come, and therefore I will embrace it, and that is why he swallowed it. That is why it is living in him. They were living in this world with the energy of the next all the way through the apostles. That's what they were doing. They saw the next world as a result of that resurrection and says, we can live here with the energy of the next because we have the first fruits that are taking place. The resurrection wasn't just something that Paul believed. It was something that Paul lived, something that he understood because he held it on to truth. And when he held it on to truth, everything else made sense. Number two, shoot for a higher aim than your personal happiness. If you want this resurrection to live inside of you so you can be fearless, you have to shoot for a higher aim than, than your personal happiness. We live in a world that everybody's shooting for their personal happiness. You know what they're doing is they're, they're falling short. You gotta live for a higher aim. We live in a world where there's approximately 4,300 different religions. And with these 4,300 different religions, um, I'm standing up here right now and I say, well, we're the right one. <laughs> I am, I'm sorry, I just, well, we're the right one. Well, there's 4,300 other ones. What makes you the right one? Uh, we'll ask that question. Nobody on the planet ever talked like Jesus did. Nobody ever taught like Jesus did. Nobody ever made proclamations like Jesus did. Do you know what he did? He taught so radically and so powerfully that you have to love him like crazy or you have to hate him and say he's a wild animal. I mean, that's, you get one choice or the other. This is how he taught. He said these words, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the vine. No, he's not saying there's a vine, go find it. He's not saying there's a bread of life, go find it. No, he's actually pointing here to himself. He says, I am the vine. He says, I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I mean, this is, you can't get any more radical teaching than that. You can't get any more radical teaching than that. But there's something scary about teaching that way. You know what's scary about teaching that way? Is if you say, I am, I am, I am, I am, I am, there's only one thing you can't do. You can't die. <laughs> because if you die, then you're not. I am the way, oh, he's dead, he's not, he's, he's not the way. I am the truth, well he's dead, he's not the truth. I am the life, well he's dead. He's not the life. You look at every single religion that is out there, every person points to something. I am a prophet. You know, Buddha, what did he do? He pointed to Allah. Muhammad pointed to Allah. And I mean, he didn't say speak this way. He can't speak that way. Because if he spoke that way, if, if, if Muhammad died, guess what would take place? Everything would have died with him. You know, Buddha didn't speak that way at all. He says, no, no, don't pray, don't pray to me. 
pray for spiritual enlightenment. He's got, you've got to push the truth away from you. Every teacher has to push a truth away from you and point to a different direction, but Jesus did not point the truth away from himself. And then all of a sudden, guess what took place? He died. He died. I often think about what took place, conversation that happened in that upper room when he died. Like the apostles, Peter, John, James, we put all our stock into him. Why? Because he said he's the truth. We put all of our stock in him. Why? Because he said he's the way. <laughs> We're wrong. I mean, think about those three days. We're wrong. They didn't go out of the upper room. Why? Because they were fools. They were fools. Why? Because they were wrong from this radical teacher that put everything on him. But guess what happened when they heard the word? He's risen. <laughs> He's alive. I mean, they didn't open the door and say, okay, let's go meet at the grave. You know, we'll be there in a couple of minutes. No, they opened that door and they ran as fast as they possibly could because if he is alive, guess what takes place? Everything he said was true. If he's dead, nothing he said is true, but if he's alive, then everything he said is true. This is Paul and how he's thinking. Jesus is God. He said that he is God. Jesus died. Jesus rose. Truth. Not, not, not feeling, not emotion, not, you know, not, you know, is this gonna be all right? Do I agree with it? Do I, no, it's just truth. Solid truth. Paul's mind says, I can't believe it. It's absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. How amazing? So amazing that here's Paul speaking again. Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride to you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day. What do I gain, if humanly speaking? I fought with wild beasts at Ephesus. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. I die every day, he says. But what do I gain if there's no resurrection? If there's no resurrection, there is nothing I gain. But there is a resurrection, guess what takes place? There's everything I gain. I face death every hour. But do you know what, it's okay. Why? Because there's a resurrection. If there wasn't a resurrection, I don't want to face death every hour. But since there is a resurrection, I can face death every hour. I face death every day. If there's no resurrection, you know, you know I don't want to face death every day, but right now I can do it with a smile. I can do it with peace. I can do it with joy. I can do it with strength because there's a resurrection that is true. He says I can fight wild beasts. We don't know exactly what that means. Uh, we do know that um, back in Paul's time, um, emperors would um, make sport out of people that they wanted to martyr, so they would throw them in different cages and throw them a sword or throw them a weapon and then unleash beasts and, and watch the beasts go after them and see if the guy could survive. We don't know if that's the case for Paul, um, but he makes a statement right here. It's, I fight wild beasts, but I still have rest, joy, peace, passion, strength. I've got everything. Why? Because there's a resurrection. Nothing intimidates me. Why? Because there's this 
this resurrection. We live in a world where we don't fight wild beasts. We can look at that and say, you know, that doesn't really apply to me. Uh, you're right, we don't fight wild beasts in this world. We fight different things. We fight, we fight lumps, we fight cancer. We fight diseases that are, that are killing us. If the resurrection did not happen, <laughs> there's no hope for you. But if the resurrection did happen, there's everything for you, even inside of your situation that you're faced with. No matter what your situation is, if the resurrection did happen, there is hope for you. Why? Paul acted like nothing would kill him. Why? Because there's a resurrection. The same resurrection he had that he acted like nothing would kill him, we have today. The day I die is the day that I see the Lord. Because he's risen, that's it. We don't fight executions, but we're fighting death. We don't fight dungeons, but we're fighting loneliness. We don't fight persecution, but we're fighting broken families. Is there any help? Is there any answer? Yeah, there's one answer, it's one word. It's called resurrection. Our God is not dead, our God is alive, therefore everything he said is true. Basing it on truth, not feelings. Basing it on fact, not feelings. Basing it on history that happened 2,023 years ago, which would be the day of our Lord. Basing it on history of what happened on this planet. This happen, therefore I can be. All hope is in the resurrection. I was once dead, but now I'm alive. Number three, to have the strength, to have this passion, to have this resurrection live in you, live for a higher horizon than your lifespan. We can deny God and we can um, be complete atheists. Um, that's, uh, that's freedom, freedom of being a human being. We get to say, I don't want nothing to do with God. I want nothing to do with organized religion. I don't want anything to do. I'm atheist. I'm going to put it out of our life. But you can't completely do it as a human being. In other words, you cannot be 100% atheist because accidentally some things start happening in your life that come up that makes a proclamation that you're not an atheist. Let me give you an example. Is on people's deathbeds, you know what they often do? They judge themselves, just with their words. Wish I invested more time in my family than I did at work. Wish I used my money different than I used my money. I wish I stayed married instead of divorcing five times. What you're doing, everybody does when they die, is they turn around and they start evaluating their life. Why are they evaluating their life? Is because they're judging themselves. Nobody else doing it. They're doing it to themselves. They're judging themselves. Remember what an atheist believes? Atheist believes that there's no purpose. There's no, there's nothing. So you die, you're dead. Well, if you die, you're dead, then why are you judging yourself? But yet we all do it on our deathbed. Why do we judge ourselves? Because we know that when we die, that this life has meaning, that this life has purpose. I don't know if we're atheists or not. We know that the, everything that has taken place in this life has meaning and has purpose. And when we die, we even know in the depths of our soul that we're going to be held accountable. We know that they're going to stand 
in front of God. Resurrection was powerful to Paul because what it meant to Paul, it meant because Jesus died for my sins, went to the grave, and rose again, I stand in front of God, and my judge will not judge me because he judged Jesus instead if I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is just like, I can't believe this. <laughs> this, is, this is Paul. This is just, you, can, you can think in his mind as you're reading the scripture. I can't believe this. In my life, I'll even turn around before I die and I will judge myself and I know I'll stand in front of a judge, but as a result of this resurrection, God being alive, dying on the cross and then going to the grave and then raising again, as a result of all of that, I get a look at the judge and you know what he's gonna say? Enter into my rest. You're clean. Price has been paid. This is where Paul gets his passion. This is where Paul gets his drive. This is where Paul gets his peace. This is where Paul gets his strength. The truth that is in his mind that is just not a logical truth, but it's a truth that is alive that is just driving him and sending him directions all over the world because of its power and because of its beauty. Paul speaks again in 1 Corinthians 15. He says this, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must be put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must be put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the mortality, then shall come to pass the saying that it is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? And O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brethren, beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. This passage right here made Paul invincible. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? <laughs> you don't own me. You don't control me. It does not matter what takes place. I am saved by the death, burial, and resurrection. And if you remove me from this world or if I'm removed from this world, I get to see God face to face, completely clean, walk right into the Holy of Holies. As a result of what he's done, I get to live with him for eternity message that these kids were singing <laughs> I have to confess I choked up <laughs> uh, I choked up because these kids are proclaiming that we have the answer and as a result of having this answer the world can't touch me the world can't touch me that's how Paul felt about the resurrection how do you feel about the resurrection how do you feel about the resurrection. I just want to ask two questions. Number one, have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? 
If you say, God, I believe that you came to earth, I believe that you lived a perfect life, I believe that you died, and I believe that you rose. What is that? That's the gospel that saves. God, I believe it. You've never accepted Christ, what is it? God, I am a sinner, the kids said it. God, we're we're sinners, all the kids were singing, hey, we're all sinners, but then they sing the other chorus, what? But you died for us. You love us, but we get to live with you for eternity. Not because of what we do, because we're so not perfect. But he is. That's what salvation is. Challenge you to accept him. How do you do it? God saved me. I'm a sinner, and I'm in need of you. And the other challenge for everybody else is that, that knows Jesus is to... Don't just believe the resurrection. You are supposed to believe it, but let it live in you. Let it live in you. What does that mean? It means that it rules you, means that it sends you, means that when you think about it, it makes you, it sanctifies you. It is the one word that all of us should be carrying every minute of our life. Let's pray. God, we just thank you. You could have left us to perish, but you did not. You came, God, to earth and lived the life that we could not live. And then you died the death that we should have died, and then you rose again. And we are saved by that life, not ours. Thank you, God, for the gift of salvation. Just pray, God, for everybody uh, in this room, wherever they're at in this room. If they're rejecting you, if they don't like you, if they don't want you, I just pray, God, you'd open up their mind, open up their heart to truth that you love them. And God, as we're believers, I just pray that this resurrection, God, will not just be something that's talked about once a year during Easter, but be ruling us, God, every time we walk into a sanctuary, every time we walk into a church, but also when we walk into our homes, when we open up our Bibles, that this resurrection, God, will be on the forefront of our minds.